But we know that nothing feels lonelier than feeling separate from the people that you love the most. Healing loneliness is an inside job, but you can't do it alone. That's Dr. Lissa Rankin, and this is the Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I'm your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Wednesday. Appreciate you joining me. And today's episode is with our newest featured speaker, Dr. Lissa Rankin. And I found out about Dr. Rankin's work um, a few years ago when I read her book entitled Mind Over Medicine, which, in my opinion, is a must-read book. I highly, highly recommend that you pick it up because it's all about the power of the mind and how our thoughts play a huge role on our overall health, especially when it comes to things like illness and diseases. And in her book, she also touches on the topic that she's going to be talking about in this clip, which is about loneliness and how feeling lonely usually affects our health and our mental well-being. So I love her work and I love her message. And I think that you love this talk. So without further ado, here's Dr. Lissa Rankin. Enjoy. We are tribal beings. We are supposed to be together. We come from love and when we die, we go back to love. And the whole point of being human is that we're here to love each other. We're here to be together. And our nervous systems are wired that way. So when we feel socially isolated, then the nervous system goes into threat. And the limbic brain, the survival part of the brain, the really primordial brain, starts to freak out. It goes into the sympathetic nervous system, or what Walter Cannon at Harvard called the stress response. You may know it as the fight-or-flight response. And when the nervous system is in fight-or-flight response, the body fills with cortisol and epinephrine. These hormones put us at risk of heart disease and every other kind of illness. And we know that the body is beautifully equipped with natural self-healing mechanisms. We make cancer cells every day. We fight our own heart disease every day. We have natural longevity enhancements built into our bodies. But here's the kicker. Those natural self-healing mechanisms only work when the nervous system is in what Herbert Benson at Harvard called the relaxation response. This is the parasympathetic nervous system. When we know that we belong, when we can feel ourselves in love, in community, in tribe, then the nervous system relaxes. But you think about the single mom who's by herself trying to raise three kids and get to her job, and the kids are sick, and she doesn't have any help, and what about her social life, and what about her self-care? Her nervous system is in stress response all the time. And this puts her at risk of disease and decreases her longevity. And we Americans, you know, we're only supposed to be in stress response when we're getting ch chased by a tiger. But evidence shows that we're in stress response more than 50 times per day, and lonely people are in stress response even more than that. 
So this is the part where I'm going to talk to your mind, in case you don't believe loneliness and health are related. Air pollution increases your mortality by 6%. Obesity by 23%. Alcohol abuse by 37%. Loneliness by 45%. Loneliness is as dangerous for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes per day. There was a study in Alameda County that showed that people with the fewest social ties were three times more likely to have died over a nine-year period. There was another study in UCSF of 3,000 women with breast cancer that showed that people who go through their cancer journey alone are four times more likely to die from their disease than those who have 10 or more friends. Lonely people have higher rates of heart disease, cancer, dementia, high blood pressure, diabetes, infection, anxiety, depression, insomnia, suicide, and alcoholism, addictions. There was one great study done by Harvard where they followed 700 men over 75 years to, to look at wellness and well-being in general. And Robert Waldinger, one of the researchers, said over and over, over these 75 years, our study has shown that the people who fared the best were the people who leaned in to relationships with family, with friends, with community. But one in five Americans is lonely. This is 60 million people. This is a massive public health epidemic. But when was the last time your doctor prescribed healing your loneliness as part of your wellness plan or as part of a healing journey? So what do we do about this? What is the cure for loneliness? Is it to get as many people in our social circles as possible? And if so, what about the introverts among us? I'm super introverted, right? Is it about quantity? Well, no, we know that. We know that you can feel lonelier in a crowd of others than when you're alone. So is it about having a significant something, a spouse, a child? But we know that nothing feels lonelier than feeling separate from the people that you love the most. So many of us have had those feelings of deep connection in nature is about that. And many of us have had intense spiritual experiences, mystical experiences, experiences in prayer or meditation. Is it about connection with the divine? Charles Eisenstein says that it's, it comes, it stems from what he calls the story of separation. This, I think, is that primal wound, that wound that says, I'm separate from you. I'm separate from you. I'm separate from the trees and the stars and the oceans and the mountains. I'm separate from the people in Syria, from all of the people that are doing horrible things to our country right now. Those are other. Those are not connected to me. But it's also, I'm separate from that force of love that flows through us, that animates us, that's our, our very life force that force of love that you might call the divine. Lisa Schudemacher from Findhorn calls it othering. When I make you other, and she also talks about enemy-making, right? When I separate myself and I say, oh, well, I'm separate from the terrorists. They're not part of me. We don't, we're not part of the same human family. I need to separate myself from them. This creates a deep existential loneliness inside of us. Brene Brown says the number one barrier to belonging is fitting in. 
you know, if I'm feeling like I have to pretend to be something that I'm not in order to belong with you all, I'm going to feel lonely, even if I've got 1,800 people here in the room with me. But there's another way to do this. So what is the loneliness prescription? And I, I want to start by saying we don't know. We don't know. But here's some ideas that maybe we can play with and see if it resonates. And I want to give you a hint, because really, it's a paradox. Healing loneliness is an inside job, but you can't do it alone. We need each other. And sometimes we need therapists and spiritual counselors and clergy. It starts with befriending yourself. As long as you're at war with yourself, with those inner voices that are telling you that you don't belong, that you're not lovable, that you're not enough, that you don't deserve to be part of a community, you're going to have a hard time magnetizing towards you the people that are right here to love you. We have to heal shame and perfectionism, not just in ourselves, but in how we relate to others. Because if I'm in shame and I'm hiding myself from you, or if I think I have to be perfect and I'm not allowed to reveal my vulnerabilities to you, I'm going to separate myself. And again, even if I'm surrounded by people, my nervous system's going to go into threat. It's going to put me at risk of disease. And as long as I expect you to be perfect and I'm going to judge you or criticize you if you do something that I don't like, then I'm not going to be able to show up for you and know that you're part of my human family. We've got to own our stuff. <laughs> that means we've got to get out of our victim stories, right? I've got to quit saying it's your fault. You did me wrong. You, you know, criticized me in some way. I'm separate from you. But instead, if I'm able to say, wow, I'm participating in the creation of my life. I know that I have childhood wounding and patterns and limiting beliefs. We all do. We all got programmed by our parents, no matter how well-intentioned. And I'm a parent myself, so I know that no matter how much we try, it's impossible for us not to end up as adults with some of those patterns. And we need to own those patterns. We need to start to see them. And it helps if we engage in spiritual practice. If we meditate, if we pray, if we spend time alone listening, then we start to get insights and epiphanies. We start to be able to see the patterns that we recreate in our lives. We're all so afraid of abandonment and rejection, of being judged and criticized. But a lot of that comes from childhood, and we actually can change that. We've been so traumatized, all of us, every human in this room, every human on this planet, has had their own trauma. And trauma puts us into the story of separation and makes us forget that we belong to each other, that we're here to love each other. And when we're able to take time to engage in spiritual practice, it helps us remember the love that is available to us at all times, even when we're alone. We have to be vulnerable. I have to be willing to show you the parts of myself my friend Amy Ehlers calls my big ugly tail. You know, we all have it. And we're always trying to hide it. We're trying to stuff it back <laughs> to make sure you don't see my big ugly tail. But if I'm brave enough to take risks and to show you my big ugly tail and to see if you'll love me anyway, then we start to build trust. And then I can maybe reveal something a little more vulnerable and I can see whether that's safe. This helps us develop resilience because sometimes I'm going to show somebody my big ugly tail and they're going to judge me. 
and they're going to be mean to me, and they might reject me, and then I might be tempted to close my heart, to withdraw, to go back into the story of separation. But when we develop resilience, we actually get brave, and we, we start being willing to, to give other people permission to break our hearts, permission to betray our trust, because everybody's doing the best we can. But then the more I reveal and the more you trust me and the more I trust you, the more intimate we become, the more we develop resilience so that we can handle the occasional person who isn't conscious enough to meet us in that heart space. We also have to bench press our receiving muscles. Many of us are walking around surrounded by people who love us and we can't even tell because we've put up this wall, we've got this armor. And when we take the armor down, we start to be able to open our heart and reconnect to that force of love that's flowing through me right now and pouring onto you and flowing through you and pouring onto me. This allows us to hold space for others. Instead of judging and criticizing, holding space means we can be present. We can withhold judgment. We can trust that we're do doing the best we can, all of us. It's hard to be human. We can listen generously without fixing. We can be with what's true for one another. And this lets us be willing to bear someone else's burden when we have enough to give, when we're so full of love that we have enough to give. Then we can start to be generous with our love. We can start to be somebody else's tribe instead of just thinking about, what do I want? What do I need? We have to remember that we're all connected in interbeing, that we belong with one another. Charles Eisenstein says, the science is beginning to confirm what we have intuitively known all along. We are greater than what we have been told. We are not just a skin-encapsulated ego, a soul encased in flesh. We are each other, and we are the world. So now I want to invite you to reach out and call in those friends of your soul. We are dehydrated fish swimming in a massive lake. There is love all around. It's right here. Big thanks to Dr. Lissa Rankin for stopping by. Her website is lissarankin.com. Her Instagram is Lissa Rankin. And her newest book, is a revised edition of Mind Over Medicine, which I said in the intro, and I highly, highly recommend that you pick it up. And it's entitled Mind Over Medicine, Revised Edition, Scientific Proof That You Can Heal Yourself. And I'll have all the links in the show description so you can check that out. And when you get a chance, please follow the show on Spotify Podcast, share it, or follow the show on your favorite podcast player app. And that is a wrap for me. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will see you back here Friday. So until then, stay strong. Later.